Attention shoppers, there are a wide variety of cross-rip items available in the gift shop. Sweatshirts, smartphone covers, an exclusive t-shirt designed by Dapper Dan Shonen of IDW Comics fame, and more on the way. All proceeds go towards our servers, so this remains the only ad you hear on the show. Go to GhostbustersHQ.net slash shop to get yours today. I like that shirt, friend. Hey there, fellow conductors of the Metaphysical Examination, and welcome to the CrossRip. We couldn't help it. It just popped in there. Yes, we are going to be talking about the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man as we open up Tobin's audio guide for the first time. This is a special podcast. We're going to be going into the lore, the behind the scenes of uh, Stay Puffed. Should be a lot of fun exploring this character that we've all come to know and love. Still Playing With Toys presents The Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossroad, the biggest podcast since 1909. So free. News, interviews, and commentary on everything Ghostbusters. Are you the key Here are your hosts, Troy Benjamin and Chris Stewart. You know, it's just occurred to me we really haven't had a completely successful test of this equipment. Oh, we have fun. Well, hello there, everybody. This is a very special and very different uh, episode of the Interdimensional Crossrip. Uh, this is something that I've actually been uh, wanting to do for quite some time, and uh, and listening to a podcast called Happy Beeps, which I found in looking for Star Wars podcasts, uh, really inspired me and, and just kind of lit the fire underneath me to do this. So, uh, I mean, definitely check out... Uh, Jennifer Landa's Happy Beeps, which is a great podcast that kind of gets into Star Wars characters and their origins and behind the scenes, and it's just a great character dissection. Uh, so that's what we're going to be doing on this week's episode of The Cross Rip. So, uh, but first, uh, let me just tell you guys, so, so next week we have Violet Ramis Steele on the podcast. It's a wonderful interview. I can't wait for you guys to hear it. But uh, the purpose behind these, Tobin's Audio Guides is to kind of get to know, uh, you know, more obscure Ghostbusters characters, more popular Ghostbusters characters, just do a little bit of a character dissection as to where they came from, what uh, makes them so popular, or what makes them not so popular as it may be, and uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So this week on the show, I thought we would start with Mr. Stay Puffed himself. Yes, the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, I would say aside from Slimer, is one of the most recognizable and iconic characters to come out of the original film. Uh, chances are, if you know the Ghostbusters logo, you probably associate it also with the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man or Slimer, uh, but man- mainly Stay Puffed. Stay Puffed is just so recognizable. What is it that we love about this character? How did he come to be? Let's find out. Join us now for Tobin's audio guide to the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man. Some creatures, Gozer the Gozerian, Gozer the Destructor, Bulgasidra, or the Traveler has come. Choose and perish. Is he talking to us? You see anyone else here? Winston asked. What's he talking about? Choose what? Uh, what do you mean, choose? Stance cried. We don't understand. Choose, Gozer bellowed again. Spangler placed a hand on Ray's shoulder. I think he's saying that since we're about to be sacrificed anyway, we get to choose the form we want him to take. Stance was intrigued, sort of like a last request. You mean if I stand here and concentrate on the image of Roberto Clemente, Gozer will appear as Roberto Clemente and wipe us out? Yes, that appears to be the case. 
Whoa, whoa, wait, wait, Vankman said quickly. Don't think of anything. Clear your minds, blank them out. We get one crack at this. They looked at one another, nodded, and tried to stand as still as possible. But the thunder rolled again. My mind is blank, Vankman thought. I may wet my pants, but I'm not going to think of anything. The choice is made. The traveler has come. Whoa, 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 we didn't choose anything, Vankman cried. But the swirling storm was already disappearing. I didn't think of an image. He grabbed Spangler by the arm. Did you? No. Winston? My mind is a total void. Ray? Stance was standing silently, his mouth open, shaking his head in terror. Ray? I couldn't help it. It just popped in there. What? Vankman screamed, grabbing him by the collar. What popped in there? Stance pointed off toward the south, the color draining out of his face. Look! They turned and strained to see what might be coming from that direction, their minds now free to supply all manner of doom. But at first, there was nothing but a deep, hollow, thudding sound, like a man walking on a giant bass drum. Suddenly, beyond Columbus Circle, they caught a glimpse of white moving between the buildings. Venkman's mouth was dry, his hands shook, and he wanted to run, but there was nowhere to run to. Even if he hadn't been on top of a building, they were dealing with a god, a god who had conjured up the ultimate horror and conjured it up out of Ray Stance's mind. What is it, Ray? What did you think of? Stance was leaning toward the edge, babbling incoherently as the white shape loomed closer, still tenuously out of reach behind the intervening buildings. What is it? Zedmore screamed. Ray, talk to me! It can't be, it can't be! Stance repeated over and over again as the thing emerged from Broadway and thundered slowly across Columbus Circle, snapping light poles and trees. Venkman strained to make it out. It appeared to be wearing something. A hat? And a sailor suit? Ray, what is it? Ray? Stance's head dropped forward like a pollaxed steer as he sighed. He looked up and shrugged. It is, he said. It's the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man. The Marshmallow Monster, a hundred feet tall and grinning insanely like its namesake, trudged slowly up the edge of the park, passing the tavern on the green and heading unerringly for them. I tried to think of the most harmless thing, something that could never destroy us, something I loved from my childhood. And you came up with that? Venkman screamed. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, he was on all the packages we used to buy as a kid. We used to roast Stay Puft Marshmallows at Camp Wakanda. Great. The marshmallows are about to get their revenge. Still, Venkman considered his sense of proportion returning, we aren't down yet. He fingered his induction gun. We may get to roast a few tonight. That's a big marshmallow, Zedemore said skeptically as the creature lumbered past the Dakota, leaving huge gooey footprints. I wonder how they're taking this down the street. The Stay Puff Marshmallow Man marked a very crucial turning point in the believability of Ghostbusters. Ivan Reitman knew that the minute a 50-foot Marshmallow Man appeared on screen, the audiences in 1984 would either be with him or fervently against him. Though that excerpt that I just read from the Richard Mueller novelization differs slightly from what appeared in the final film, the transition from the film being somewhat grounded in reality over to the completely absurd was one of the most difficult challenges that the production faced. What exactly is the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man? Here's the excellent description from Tobin's Spirit Guide written by IDW Comics author Eric Burnham. The Stay Puft Marshmallow Man, Class 7, Gozerian Form. As noted, Gozer allowed those he was about to destroy an opportunity to choose the form that this destruction would take. Whatever form was chosen, no matter how bizarre, would appear and destroy the world. 
When Gozer manifested in New York, the Ghostbusters were tasked with making that choice. Dr. Venkman recommended we clear our minds and not give an answer, but as a god, Gozer was able to look into our minds anyway and pull from them the strongest image. In this case, Dr. Stance's childhood memory of roasting Stay Puff Marshmallows at Camp Wakanda. At the time, Dr. Stance was trying to maintain a mental picture of innocence and think of things that couldn't possibly destroy the world. Gozer subverted this intention and took the form of a hundred-foot-tall Stay Puff Marshmallow Man. Fortunately, the selection had its disadvantages. Stay Puffed was slow-moving, and he had little offensive capability beyond its sheer size. When we destroyed the temple Gozer had used as a gateway to this dimension, we also destroyed that particular manifestation of the Marshmallow Man, but this was not the last time Stay Puffed appeared. On several other occasions, psychokinetic energy has been abundant enough for Gozer to once again manifest as Stay Puffed, but with each successive manifestation, it has retained less potency, enabling us to deal with it in a relatively expedient manner, which is to say, we blew it up. As noted in the Adulna's entry, there was an attempt to change Gozer's destructive form to something other than Stay Puffed. When that failed, the Marshmallow Man manifested one final time. When we destroyed it, we used a modified trap to capture a significant portion of the Gozerian essence that drove it. While we'd like to report that this means we've finally seen the last of the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man, any such certainty is virtually impossible when it comes to supernatural entities of this kind. So I'd say the next question is, where did the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man begin? Ivan Reitman has often recollected that the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man was one of the most memorable things that he read from Dan Aykroyd's original draft of the screenplay. In fact, the character appeared only a dozen or so pages in and was a, quote, throwaway, according to Harold Ramis. Just one more giant manifestation among many to be featured that was completely unproducible because of how big it would have been at the time. Here's Ivan Reitman from a Japanese Laserdisc created for the Museum of Special Effects talking about his first impressions of the original Ghostbusters script. When Dan Aykroyd first showed me the script of Ghostbusters, I thought it was impossible to make. His version had special effects on every single page. It took place in outer space as well as here. Uh, the, it was in the future, and it would have been a movie, I think, that would have cost one or two hundred million dollars just to make. Uh, so I had a long conversation with Dan and we started rewriting the script. I knew that the special effects were very important and that to combine really first-class special effects with a comedy movie was something that I had not seen before. There had been other comedy movies that had, you know, ghosts that you didn't see, but they were never done as if the special effects were as important as the comedy. And I thought that would be one of the most important things. So I try to redo the script in such a way that the balance between the comedy and the special effects was more even, because in his draft it was all special effects. And uh, we came to, um, we worked out the script as it was, and I think we ended up with 200 shots. In Don Shea's Making Ghostbusters, Harold Ramis says, quote, In Dan's script, the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man was pretty much a throwaway, just another effect but it was such a great image that we decided to use it as the manifestation of Gozer the Destructor. We were always nervous about it, though. Would the audience find him cute or find him stupid? Could he be both cute and terrifying? It was such a big effect we knew that if we used it, it would have to be the climax of the film. We were very worried about it. Says Ivan Reitman, quote, Our concern was that the Stay Puffed Man would take the movie into an area of silliness that would just discount everything else. 
All through the writing process and even into production, we tried to come up with an alternative, but we kept coming back to it. It just seemed right to go for the laugh at the end. And we had such a good rationale for it. It would be the first thing that would pop into Stance's head. So I finally said, to hell with it, let's go. But that's what I was waiting for at the first screening, to see how the Marshmallow Man was going to play. Fortunately, the audience went nuts over him, applauding and everything. It was a great moment of relief for all of us. Interestingly enough, though Reitman justifies the character coming from Stance's imagination, the Making Ghostbusters book also reveals that in all drafts except for the final draft they used for production, Winston actually manifested Stay Puffed. So, who was to thank for the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man being such an effective element of the film? The truth of the matter is that there was a, there was a whole team of people responsible for making Stay Puffed come to life. Here is Ivan Reitman, Harold Ramis, and Joe Medjuk talking about the crucial role the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man played from the 1999 DVD commentary. <laughs> well, I always thought one of the most fortunate things that ever happened to me was that Harold Ramis, of all the rest of the cast of this show, was not chosen to be on Saturday Night Live. So I was able to go to Harold and say, you know, we ought to make a movie out of this show. And that's that movie eventually became Animal House and really started our careers in the movie business. Yeah, that's great. Well, you had a quite a head start in the movie business. <laughs> yeah, making those horror movies. <laughs> yeah. Now, this was in Dan's original script. Yeah. So one of the few scenes that was exactly... And I, we were always worried, what are people going to think? I, I was frightened about it. This was the sort of... Remember the domino steps of reality. I always thought that this was an extraordinary large step that may not work. Wow. And... Um, at that very first screening, three weeks after shooting that we had, this was the thing that I was the most concerned about. And we fortunately had one marshmallow shot. We didn't have this one that we're looking at right now, but we had the one previous where you just saw the head yeah. going through the buildings and maybe one other. And I was sitting there, and the, and the screening had been going extraordinarily well, people cheering and stuff. And when he first appeared in that shot, they just went nuts, and we all... Because, frankly, we had no other way to go. I remember talking with you, Harold, about yeah. what were we going to do when this didn't work? <laughs> no, but the response was phenomenal. And, yeah. and you know, it's they did such... Idea. The rendering, the the design work on him is so good. He is so appealing and yet so menacing at the same time. <laughs> oh, because But you described him that way in the script. I remember it yeah. said, one of the great American icons. Yeah. You're friendly, but at this size. I think eventually they actually made a marshmallow brand with him on it. <laughs> Now everyone Look should know, water. the water coming out of there is actually sand, because water will not miniaturize, so they use sand, because it's granular. And all these people in New York were, were, were being told what was coming down the street. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a mother, wonderful... Mother pus bucket. <laughs> Invented obscenity. <laughs> That's right. As we become... That last shot is uh, so badly rendered that, in fact, he is walking through the church that is right next door to the building. Oh, look at him cry. You feel bad for him, though. Nobody steps on a church in my town. <laughs> <laughs> though Reitman seemed a bit apprehensive about the rendering of a few of the shots looking back on him 20 years later, audiences in 1984 were blown away by how things were created. Richard Edlund, who had begun his special effects career at Industrial Light and Magic working on the Star Wars films, was hired to create the special effects of Ghostbusters, including the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man effect. His team was new and untested, and they were having to work on two films simultaneously with Ghostbusters and the follow-up to Stanley Kubrick's 2001 called 2010. A great series from the 90s called Movie Magic featured a wonderful breakdown of Edlin's team and the work they created for the original Ghostbusters film. One year after Poltergeist, 
Edlund opened his own visual effects company, Boss Film Studios, and found himself right back in the ghost business. In August of 83, Boss Film was born. We're off and running on Ghostbusters, which we had just 10 months to do. Not a long time to materialize a bizarre group of ghouls born in the mind of comedian Dan Aykroyd. They are unhappy, vicious, hostile. They're mainly... like relatives at a funeral, making outrageous demands of your time and sensibility. Exactly. Early in the film, the Ghostbusters encounter the apparition of an elderly librarian, which suddenly metamorphoses into a hideous spook. <laughs> to accomplish the effect, the boss crew took a life cast or body mold of the actress playing the librarian. This became the basis for an animatronic double engineered by effects designer Steve Johnson. What I did on this is I had the neck stretch and sink and move forward, the head flatten, the eyes sink back in the socket, the jaw unhinge and swing forward. The clothes were also rigged to tear off as this happened. It was all cable controlled thing and it was all operated by one person. Ghostbusters' most memorable apparition was a mischievous spewer of ectoplasm named Slimer. He slimed me. In reality, the ghost was puppeteer Mark Wilson inside a suit of one-inch thick foam latex. Wilson's waist and legs, covered in black, would disappear when the film was later combined with location photography. Off-camera puppeteers controlled Slimer's facial expressions via cables which necessitated his being performed from a fixed position. To create the illusion of flying, the camera was pushed on dolly tracks up to Slimer, making it appear that he was charging toward the camera. Please, ready? There's a scene where he's very tired after running away from the Ghostbusters and he's panting and flying around the chandelier. He just built a big turntable that the puppeteers could actually ride on. Boss Film's innovative designs and special effects techniques helped make Ghostbusters one of the 80s biggest hits, reconfirming the special place held by ghosts in cinematic history. Ghosts and American humor are linked forever by uh, groups like uh, the Bowery Boys, Abbott and Costello, uh, Bob Hope. So we're just doing the modern version of the old-time ghost movies. The Stay Puffed effect was one of the most challenging that was actually unmentioned in that movie magic piece that I just played. But there was a wonderful anatomy of a scene created by the YouTube user Cinefix that goes into all of the elements that came together to create that masterful illusion. Everyone else was won over by Aykroyd's insistence that a benign, silly bit of faux-American consumerism was the most unexpected choice for Gozer the Destructor's vital embodiment. I couldn't help it. It just popped in there. In the original script, a 300-foot Mr. Stay Puft emerged from the Hudson River next to the Statue of Liberty. Everyone agreed that was going to be expensive monies. So they cut the river shot and decided to make Mr. Stay Puft smaller. Finally, Reitman set the height at 112 and a half feet, exactly halfway between the production staff pushing for 100 feet and those who wanted it to be an extra 25. This decision by Reitman of 112 and a half feet required them to build a 118th scale set, which was uncommon at the time. According to model shop supervisor Mark Stern, this created a unique problem. You don't find any accurate model kits in that scale, so 
I scoured Toys R Us and found this police car that looked like a New York police car was the right vintage and the right size, as it turned out. So I called all the Toys R Us stores in Southern California and bought all they had. We chopped them up and turned them into fire trucks and taxis and police cars and everything else. For the Marshmallow Man himself, multiple Stay Puffed suits were constructed from pliable foam, and three different heads were sculpted by Linda Frobos to achieve the range of facial expressions the monster would need. Each featured fiberglass skulls and a cable system to control different facial movements, and Mr. Stay Puff's trek through miniature Central Park West required the work of four puppeteers operating his face with cables through slits in the elevated set. But you don't build a giant Marshmallow Man so he can take a stroll through the park. So when it came time for him to climb a building while engulfed in flames, Games, mechanical effects supervisor Thane Morris called upon pyrotechnician Joe Viscosil to construct a fire-retardant version of the costume to be worn by a stuntman. For his melting head, a plastic cord was placed next to a model of the top of the apartment building, with three propane heaters pointed at the head and filmed over the course of 20 minutes at a frame every second. The moment that the Ghostbusters crossed their stream to vanquish Gozer and save the world called for an explosion. The designers, who came from an animation background, created a cool but bizarrely shaped explosion and turned to Morris to build it. Morris, whose works with pyrotechnics can also be seen in Wrath of Khan and Return of the Jedi, said, no problem. And then everyone immediately argued about how big the explosion should be. Reitman pointed out in an explosion that large, all the Ghostbusters would be killed, which the effects team pointed out. Well, yeah, that's the joke. That's the whole point. That's yeah. the joke. Cut from the finished movie is a smaller scene with Mr. Stay Puff's hat slowly floating to the ground. This was done with an 18-foot aluminum reinforced hat, which was slowly lowered from above by a crane. Unfortunately, it was cut not because it didn't look great, but because of pacing issues. For the aftermath of the blast, which deliciously roasts Mr. Stay Puffed, the production team mixed up batches of shaving cream 500 gallons at a time. According to William Atherton for bureaucrat Walter Peck's comeuppance, the production team wanted to dump 150 pounds of shaving cream on him from above, which he felt was kind of a lot. The production team called him a pussy. So Atherton had them dump it on a stuntman first. When it absolutely flattened the stuntman, knocking him to the ground, everyone agreed that they probably only needed half as much. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go, 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 go stoppers. I'm sorry, we'll do it again. We want to hear from you. Leave us a voicemail on our calling line at 470-242-4742. That's 4702-GBHQIC. We also have a Facebook page. You do? And Twitter accounts. Prince is dead. No kidding. Just give me the address. Search Facebook for the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. On Twitter, look for Troy at Ghostbusters HQ and Chris at Proton Charger. What the hell are you doing? If you like what you hear, please take a moment to give us a review on iTunes. Be sure to recommend us to your friends. That makes good sense. Don't wait another minute. Pick up your phone and call the professional. Once again, our call-in line is 4702-GBHQIC. That'll do it. Thanks very much, Ray. Alright, so there it was, our quick 20-minute uh, or so look into the Stay Puffed Marshmallow Man here on Tobin's Audio Guide. We hope that you enjoyed it. Uh, we will be back next week with uh, Violet Ramis Steele, as I mentioned. We've got a great interview talking about her book, Ghostbusters Daughter. Uh, can't wait for you to hear that one. So uh, until then, we will see you all on the other side. Who you gonna call? We Thanks for joining the Ghostbusters Interdimensional Crossrip. Visit us at ProtonCharging.com, GhostbustersHQ.net, and StillPlayingWithToys.net. They used to be one of my two favorite shows. Let me guess. 
Gozer worship. Everything you're doing is bad. I just want to let you know that. No study. We'd like to get a sample of your brain tissue. Oh. Next week, though, hairless pets. Weird.